Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast. I'm Guy Barter and I'm here at our headquarters in London where you can't fail to notice that Advent is upon us. Lights and decorations festoon the buildings all around, inside and out, and in the distance sounds of schoolchildren rehearsing their carols can be heard. Later in this podcast, we shall be discussing that star of the Christmas season, the good old Christmas tree. But not just Nordman fir and its fellow festive favourites. Now remember, a conifer is not just for Christmas. We'll be taking a winter walk at Whitsley to discuss a range of trees and shrubs that can add interest to your garden throughout the year. But first, let's visit another group of enthusiastic garden lovers in Bedfordshire. The RHS works to help encourage, advise and provide resources to gardening groups across the UK. One such community group is Incredible Edible Dunstable, a group of neighbours in Bedfordshire who've come together to cultivate a piece of underused public land with the help of local businesses and the RHS. One of the leaders of this community project is Sarah Ward. She told us how it all began. So here we are at Ravens Hill Way. This is uh, Lucy Leisure Gardens, right next to the M1. You hear the sound of the road, but it actually reminds me of the sea, Vazon Bay in Guernsey. This allotment here at Lucy Farm in Luton is where it all started from. I rented this allotment back in 2007, and I used to have it for my family on my own, and I used to run it quite happily, and then I found out about no dig and um, I converted my allotment to no dig where you just apply the compost on the top and you don't have to do your single digging and your double digging and you save you back a lot of hard you know pain Um, and then I got the chance to actually meet the man that um, introduced us to no dig Mr Charles Dowding and he let me go and work at his farm for a day and um, he did mention don't you garden, a, don't you grow your veg a long way away from your home? And I thought, well, yeah, I suppose I do, but what else can I do? I've got no, you know, my garden's tiny. Anyway, it was something at the back of my mind, and um, it was on a very cold, wintry, horrible January day. I was doing my husband's bookkeeping, and I just come across incredible edible Todmorden. And it was the four words, make your landscape edible. There was a piece of land at the top of my road. It was doing absolutely nothing. And I thought, right then. And uh, Mr. John Crawley at Dunstable Council put together a document for Central Beds Highways, who were the actual landowners of the site. And after five months, they said yes. And we got I suppose it must be about 250 square metres of land, um, but it was totally overgrown with brambles and uh, lots of rubbish, and um, we did have to spend quite a long time clearing it, but you'll see it later, and some pictures of what it used to look like and what it looks like now. I'm Emma Dixon, I'm at Incredible Edible Dunstable and I'm just helping to tidy up the garden at the moment. We've had a big fall of autumn leaves so I'm helping to tidy those up before we move on to the next job. It's about meeting the community but also giving something back and not only that but using spaces for sort of green space and I think the uh, nature and the environment is really important. So 
Uh, I thought it'd be great fun to get involved. Syra, who set it all up, is really enthusiastic and, um, you know, meeting her, she's just a force to be reckoned with. She sort of gets the council involved, we get the mayor to come and visit and it's just such a great community uh, event really and you also get freshly grown fruit and veg that you've grown yourself and you, that's something to really feel proud of. When you see kids involved, it's really great because they're learning skills that um, they could use later on in life but also they're just so excited about wow I've, I've grown this and it's brilliant and you know I'm a teacher and I, I see that sort of come through in the classroom when they're then so excited about eating and they eat more fruit and veg because they've helped to grow it themselves which I just think is an amazing thing to be part of. I didn't really have any gardening experience at all which was also a part of why I wanted to get involved because it's something that I think is really nice to do and I know there's a lot of um, research being done into mental health and how gardening and being outside is really important for good, good mental health so I wanted to learn a little bit about that. I've got a couple of plants in my flat which I've managed to keep alive but beyond that I had no experience. Um, but then again, Syrah's so experienced, she's a gardener by trade and the tips and things that she knows has just been fascinating to learn. Oh, my name's Sid Abbott and I'm a counsellor for this ward and uh, I feel as though I can meet the residents in the community spirit, uh, talk to them and uh, also help the gardening. So I think it's very good for the, for the area at the moment. We're also engaging the shops for the boxes as well. I I done it with another colleague just to try and get those involved as well. So it takes so there takes their responsibility of also joining in with the actual community as well. What we do is we visited all the shops. We then asked them would they like to participate and look after a, a box uh, for the season. And they would. We, what we're trying to do with that is uh, so they look after the flowers. And also, if they look after the flowers, they've also got their names on the boxes as well. Uh, when the drain pipe gardening is that over there, where we put individual plants into the actual drain pipe itself and hoping it's a gravity fed system. Uh, we've also, over there, we had a scenario where when you watered it, it, it went through the ground, then we collected it so we didn't waste the water. This here, I think it's a living water. Yeah, so that's. Um we had strawberry plants in there and then the hook at the top had a watering bag so that then there was a pipe running down so it could, it's like an irrigation system and so we could have sort of, yeah, things growing on the wall. So I'm Rebecca, I'm team manager at the co-op just across the road. We donate soil and stuff like that, like if we've got it, we'll give it to them. We've got our own bed as well up there that's got edible stuff in as well. I think it's pansies we've got in there now. I always send people over as well from the shop if we haven't got stuff. Like, it's always rosemary as well, because there's some rosemary over there, so we never have that, so people love that. I'm like, yep, go and pick some rosemary over the road. So I come over with them, because they're not sure what it looks like, so I come over, it's just around the corner there. It is a good idea, keeping everyone healthy. Two years ago, John Crawley, the guy from the council, sent me an email from Grassroots, the magazine that the RHS make, and they were asking for projects that could do with £500, and um, I quickly applied. And Alison Finlay, she was on the board and she phoned me up and asked me my project and she said, yep, you can have the £500. And we put together seven wicked raised beds 
um, along Catherine Drive, and these beds of reservoirs that you you put a, a timber frame all the way round, and then you line that timber frame with builder's plastic, and then you put a shingle in, and then you line the shingle with capillary matting all the way round the inside of the builder's plastic and then you fill it with your organic compost and you have an overflow pipe so when it rains the plants don't get flooded because the the water will drain off and we've managed to get each shop there's 13 shops down our parade of shops and seven of them got took ownership of these little beds so we're communicating with the businesses and it's a shared responsibility and we're all talking to each other about being a community and it's made us a lot stronger. At Christmas time they all come out their shops and they decorated their beds um, with Christmas jingly bits and sparkly bits and um, we awarded the best dressed bed with an award um, and the mayor gave it to them and we all had music and cake and, and it was wonderful to do that on our Christmas come and grow. This garden is free and it's beautiful and it's for everybody. So we've learned how to do woodwork, people have learned how to do gardening, um, propagating strawberries, um, cooking as well. We've, we've shared recipes and we've shared um, meals together. A, a stranger is your new best friend and unless you put yourself out there, you're never going to meet them. So we have inspired quite a few little incredible edibles in the in the local vicinity so we've got um, incredible edible civic center in st albans incredible edible tring and um it just grows there is definitely a revolution going on a green re- revolution it's um it's under the radar but i think hopefully this podcast will help <laughs> incredible edible dunstable If you'd like to know more about community gardening projects in your area or how your existing group can receive information and support from RHS experts to help you grow, there's a range of information and resources on our website, rhs.org.uk forward slash communities. Now, as promised earlier, Christmas trees. We joined Matthew Pottage and conifer writer and expert Adrian Bloom on a winter walk around Wisley. They share a passion for this popular but sometimes controversial evergreen. So my name is Matthew Pottage and I'm the curator of RHS Garden Wisley. And I'm Adrian Bloom from Brassingham in Norfolk and um, I've um, been a nurseryman most of my life and also it's 50 years to this week when I planted up my first conifer in Foggy Bottom in England, so it's 50 years old, Foggy Bottom. So we're standing at Wisley on our conifer lawn, which is one of the oldest original parts of Wisley. We're actually standing inside this giant Lawson cypress, which is about 110 years old. And what's fascinating and also quite fabulous about this is, you know, Wisley is a collection of cultivated plants. It always has been, that's its history. And we don't take out plants that are unfashionable. So you can come to Wisley any time of the year to see a wide range of plants that are, you know, it's timeless. And Adrian Bloom is with me today to, basically, we're going to have a walk around the garden and talk about some of the the amazing qualities of conifers and why we're thinking about them this time of the year. You know, their structure, their colour, their texture can really add something to your garden. But also, in complete contrast to this big golden Lawson cypress that sits on this lawn, we're going to look at some newer conifer plantings at Wisley and maybe ones that people wouldn't expect to see and conifers used in a slightly different way. 
people that know the podcast or maybe know me and my interest in plants know that I do have a soft spot for conifers. Uh, and at one time they were very, very fashionable. I think they're going to see a bit of a revival. I'd like to think they are doing, but uh, I think it's fair to say they have fallen from favour maybe in the last 10, 20 years. Adrian, do you want to tell us a bit more on your perceptions and thoughts on why that is? I, I agree with you a little bit that about fashion, uh, by and large, we shouldn't be um, you know, influenced too much by fashion and gardening, uh, particularly on something that has a longer life, like a shrub or a tree, or even a perennial for that matter. Um, and I think conifers, um, because they're evergreen and because uh, when people planted them up a number of years ago, they grew into each other and people didn't know what to do and how to, to handle them, Plus, I think many people bought conifers which were not, it wasn't uh, known or they didn't take much note of how quickly it grew, that it quickly um, became a plant that didn't look very good in gardens. So conifers became, um, if you like, um, out of fashion and um, often didn't look very good in gardens. I've grown them for 50 years in the garden and I've grown with them, if you like, so I've tried to sort of create um, the use of conifers in different ways that um, can stand the test of time but of course we all have to take out really big trees and shrubs and so on in our garden um, and uh, there's a challenge there to have different things with it so I think conifers now you can consider using them much more with other plants than you used to not just conifers or heathers um, and they have a role to play and that's really what I think both Matt and I are hoping to, 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 to do with our various gardens. And I think, you know, even if you are an enthusiast, just packing a border with one thing can sometimes do it a disservice. And we were talking before, Adrian was remembering the old Nesbitt collection of conifers that was at Wisley, and just one big border of conifers where everything is allowed to grow into each other doesn't do the plant any service, and it doesn't show people how it can work as a mixed planting. And the point of an evergreen texture or an evergreen backbone to a border, you know, they are best when they're mixed in with other plants. Yeah, I think so. And there's so many new varieties and selections out now that sort of really give uh, year-round interest. I mean, many conifers turn from sort of green in the summer to gold in the winter when we need the colour most. There's um, upright, narrow forms which just work in with uh, any design. And what I was really inspired by when I visited the Bressingham Gardens and your collection at Foggy Bottom, Adrian, and actually this is also shown in your new book, is you're not afraid to prune conifers and I think there's a real misunderstanding there that actually conifers can be trained you can take the pruning saw to them you can leave them looking better and actually you know some of your trees almost look like big pieces of artwork you limb them up you show off the stems they look like big bonsais and I think there's a real uh, a real skill there which a lot of people maybe don't grasp and if they have an overgrown conifer in their garden it's either, oh my goodness, we're just going to have to leave that because we can't touch it, or we're going to have to chainsaw it. Uh, but the, actually the ability to prune and shape and style is absolutely fascinating. Yes, well, I think it's um, something that uh, initially when I started collecting conifers, I felt, well, you have a natural form, you don't really want to interfere with that, and I like to, to plant gardens to look natural by and large, and plants to look natural, but in fact, uh, the more you travel around and you see the way that plants are shaped in nature, you know, and the, the bottom branches tend to fall off and so on, and, and if you go to Japan and places like that, it gives you other ideas. People have had to try to use bigger growing plants in smaller gardens, and it's really how you can do that. 
So we're here at the Wisley Rock Garden where we have some very old conifers and some of these are nearly 100 years of age. And this could be a situation that people almost have in their own gardens. They acquire a conifer, it looks large. Some of these used to look like huge cabbagey mounds actually, but the team have really worked in the last few years on pruning these, which again, you know, might sound a surprise. But Adrian, we talked before, the, the conifers at Bressingham are pruned and styled in many cases. What's your, what's your, some of your guidance and advice if somebody wanted to, to try this? Well, I suppose perhaps I should start, um, since uh, Matt was kind enough to mention it, but uh, the you know, title of my book is Con Gardening with Conifers, and it's, that's what it's about, gardening with conifers and how to use them in the garden. And important part of that, of course, is pruning and we cover pruning quite a lot uh, in the garden because I've had to do that over the years. And I think um, initially I thought, well, you shouldn't prune conifers because we want to see them come to their natural sort of habit and so on. But on the other hand, some do grow quite quickly and uh, pruning can, can help initially by shears on the type that are sort of soft and narrow upright forms or different forms, just a bit of light pruning is good in the initial years. And then as they get bigger, um, and perhaps in some cases too big or you inherit some conifers, then some of them, particularly the, the pines and the ones that are sort of a bit on the blobby side, should we say, you can sort of prune out from the bottom, cut away the lower branches and then gradually work your way into them and thin them out and stand back and look at them again. And there's some very good examples here at Wisley and, and also at Bressingham. Um, in fact, so much so that somebody's looked at them and said, can I have one of those? Well, uh, I more or less could say, well, if you start 40 years, you have to wait 40 years to be able to do this. <laughs> so it's really making something out of something that you would normally otherwise say, it's getting too big, I'll have to dig it and chuck it. But really you can make something fantastic out of it. Okay, so we're now in the foliage garden, which is the wall garden west, which was planted up Oh, about three or four years ago now. This is another area where conifers are mixed in with a lot of ferns, foliage plants and other hostas. So it's a real destination in May, June when the hostas are at their best. But it doesn't just showcase conifers as evergreen. So there's quite a bit of mixing of some of the deciduous types in here too, which I don't think people always maybe realize. No, I don't think they do. And um, the swamp cypress, the taxodium, for instance, there's one called Pevy Minaret here, which is a much smaller one than the bigger one, uh, Swamp Cypress, that we normally see. And this would be fine for gardens. It's got this very fresh green foliage and um, an interesting habit when the leaves fall, which of course turn a good colour. Also in the winter, of course, larch are also deciduous and um, there's one here with twisted foliage which looks good in the winter called Diana. Um, and um, yeah, I think I think also, so those are ones that are different, different habit and so on, but you've also got here taxus in pyramids, um, the yew, and that is really a favorite plant to use in more formal gardens in particular, uh, where it's most often pruned, and it grows from old wood, so, um, and being very dark, of course, it's a good evergreen to use as a hedge in a smaller, uh, sort of more formal garden. There are also ewes, of course, that have golden foliage and some that are prostrate and so on. And I think really what we're getting, Matt, as we look around, is just the variety of conifers that there are and the ways that you can actually use them. And finally, I think, uh, you know, we were talking about conifers and um, their use in the garden, and I think in the end that's what it comes down to. And people want to see, and I think that's what conifers should do, is to fulfill a purpose within the role with other plants. 
And obviously, when they're small, you've got plants you can put around them in scale, I think it's quite important. As the conifers get bigger, then you have other things you can plant. And when you, of course, start to lift them up, depending on the conifer itself, you can either put something like, say, cyclamen underneath, you can put uh, a variegated ivy or something which just contrasts and elevates it. You can put something like a Brunner or a Jack Frost with silver leaves. It depends how much space you've got, but they need to be able to put up with a reasonably dry situation, semi-shade and so on. But it really adds complete difference to your planting. And then if you can see underneath and through that plant, then it helps to complete the garden scene. Matthew Pottage and Adrian Bloom. You can find more information about conifers, how to choose and care for them on the garden pages of our website. Elsewhere at Wisley, preparations for the Garden Glow illuminations are in full swing. Glow runs until the 3rd of January at Wisley, so do come and visit. There are also glow events at RHS Gardens, Harlow Carr in Yorkshire and Rosemore in Devon throughout December. For opening times and prices, along with lists of RHS events coming up in the next few weeks, including Christmas fairs, shopping events and much, much more, see rhs.org.uk slash event search. Well, that's almost all we have time for in this podcast, and you can get back to, or perhaps begin, your Christmas preparations. If you're looking for inspiration for gifts for other garden lovers in your life, why not listen to our podcast about books for Christmas? It's available to download for free at rhs.org.uk forward slash books podcast. And it's full of inspiring and humorous recommendations. Well, that's all for today, I'm afraid. We'll be back in a fortnight with a treat for wildlife lovers as we'll be finding out about how to encourage birds in your garden in winter. Until then, from me, Guy Barter, and all the podcast team, goodbye. <laughs>